Welcome, welcome, welcome! <laughs> I've never sang on this podcast, let alone not even in the shower. That's crazy. How did it sound? Let me know. But hey, everybody, this is Andrew Haft. I have a very special announcement. Um, before we dive into chapter 13, I have a few buddies. One in particular, he goes by the name of Bob Rabbit. He was chapter number two of this podcast. If you want to reflect back and listen to his journey, he's an awesome dude. But him and a few other guys are traveling down to Haiti in the next few weeks to work on the Haitian Breeze Cafe project. Essentially, what they're doing is they're traveling down there and they're going to build a coffee shop from the ground up for a a few local Haitians to help boost their local economy. Awesome, awesome, awesome work. I am so proud and honored to be affiliated to the guys that are working on this project. I've donated myself. I know a bunch of my close buddies have as well, but I'm going to link the Kickstarter page in the show notes below. If you feel in your heart that you want to help contribute to this cause. It is great work that they're doing. I know your money will not go to waste and he would truly appreciate it. They have a goal of raising around $5,000 and I believe they're 80% to that goal. So they've already done a lot and I'm really proud of them. Um, And if you feel like you want to donate and help contribute, they would really appreciate it. So now let chapter 13 begin. I'm going to roll the intro. Welcome to chapter 13 of Only Half the Story podcast. This is where we interview the most passionate of the passionate people of those who are in the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams. On today's episode, we have Randy Canales, and he is crushing the real estate game out in Houston, Texas. If you have the itch for real estate, I highly encourage you to listen through this podcast. He is an awesome dude. Super happy that we had the opportunity to connect and make this episode possible. And on top of real estate, we also dove into the importance of living a very healthy lifestyle, which I found super interesting. So let's kick this off. This is Only Half the Story podcast. My name is Andrew Haft, and let chapter 13 begin. Randy Canales, welcome to Only Half the Story Podcast, Chapter Thirteen. How are oh, you, man? Brothers? I'm lucky thirteen. <laughs> lucky number thirteen. How do you feel about that? Oh man, I, I hope it's. I uh, hope I hope there's some good luck for it. You know, oh. thirteen's uh, it's not that luck. It's not that lucky of a number. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super stoked to have you on the show. I know you have a podcast of your own, so we're going to do a little collaboration. Very excited about that. Yeah. And what's yeah. that podcast called? Yeah, so it's just going to be my name, basically. So it's going to be the uh, the Randy Canales podcast. And uh, it's not up on iTunes or on Stitcher or anywhere podcasts can be found uh, yet. Uh, I'm going to be recording a few shows, have that in the can, and then I'll be releasing a show. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I used to have a podcast on iTunes uh, years ago, actually. And um, that was called the Texas Startup Podcast. It's not on there anymore. I wish I kept the feed, but I pulled it. And I probably had about 12 or 13 shows on there. And then I, I got super busy with real estate. So I, I just kind of discontinued it and kind of lost my lost my flow to it, you know, having guests and stuff like that. Because I had it was interview based and I was interviewing uh, local startups that were here in Texas and interviewing how they ran their business, you know, how they got funded, you know, what kind of money they're making, what their product is. And it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and I loved it. I, you know, I met some really cool people from it. And then it just stopped. You know, I got super busy with real estate. And then it's been, I don't know maybe four or five years since I've done that. So if I would have stayed in the podcast game back then, I could only imagine how much it would have grown, you know, five years later or whatever it was. Wow. Um, but here I am now, you know, restarting the podcast game. So hopefully I'll be up on iTunes and Stitcher. So within the next you know few weeks or so, so I'm excited. Yeah, dude, that's a cool idea. And honestly, that's kind of my goal with this podcast. Obviously yeah. the premise of this show is interviewing passionate people of those who are in the pursuit of, I'm going to underline the pursuit word because it's like reverse engineering your typical podcast or talk show interview where, for example, if you're to interview this this extremely successful human being and then all of a sudden they're on this talk show and they have this grand story to tell on how they got to where they are, 
I want to re yeah. I want to re- reverse engineer that concept and break it down right. to when people are really just starting out or are really in the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams in comparison to just working from one point and then talking in, from the the past. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. So, with that being said, for those who may not know who you are, Randy. Kick it off, bro. What's your story? Yeah, man. So um, I got into real estate pretty young. Um, I actually I got introduced into real estate when I was a senior in high school, um, all by luck. I mean, I when I was in high school, um, you know, I had no idea what I was going to be doing with my life. Uh, I was thinking about maybe getting into graphic design. You know, I thought about getting into uh, the police force. You know, I wasn't exactly too sure, but I was kind of leaning towards becoming a graphic designer or possibly even a, uh, a producer, like a, like a sound engineer. Um, so that was kind of the, the route I was taking. And uh, I had this art teacher when I was in summer school of my senior year, or I'm sorry, my junior year in high school. And uh, there was this guy that was always missing from class, another student. He, he sat right next to me whenever he was in school, but he would always skip class all the time. And uh, whenever um, my teacher had approached him one day, he was like, hey, man, how come you're never showing up to class? And the, and the guy, the student was just like, hey, I just I'm not interested in school. You know, I, I want to, you know, go go to work. I know I have a part time job now when I'm not in school. But, you know, my focus is just working and, you know, making money. I have no interest in being here. And my teacher was like, OK, well, maybe you should consider other forms of, of uh, you know, of creating wealth and bringing in income. Have you ever considered looking into real estate? And he was completely like just, you know, shoving it off. He had no interest whatsoever. Uh, but me sitting next to him, I was like, OK, what's what's this real estate stuff? I mean, it sounds interesting. I heard him talking to him about it. The other, the other student that he was actually telling him about had no interest whatsoever, but I did. So after school, I went up to him and I was like, hey, man, you know, tell me a little bit more about this real estate stuff. What you know, what is it? What is it all about? And he introduced me to this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which I read when I was a senior. And that book changed the game for me. I mean, it, it completely uh, changed my mindset, my way of thinking from going from, you know, someone who was like, okay, I, I need to go to school. I need to go to college. I need to get a, a, a degree and work for the next 30 years. And that's the path I was, the path I was going towards. Um, but as soon as I read that book and I got the concept of, you know, u- using other people's time, other people's money, uh, other people's resources and how you could leverage yourself, you know, buying real estate, basically, I was like, wow, like this is what I need to be doing. So, so fast forward after graduating high school, you know, I had gotten a job at Best Buy <laughs> and I absolutely hated it. And I, I realized that I didn't like having a boss and I realized I didn't like, you know, having a set schedule for clocking in and clocking out. So nonetheless, I quit working my corporate job at Best Buy, which was just me just being a sales guy there. <laughs> and uh, I decided to get into real estate. I was like, man, I, I know all this stuff about real estate because I actually while I was in school, in high school, I joined this local real estate investor club that my teacher was a part of. And I would go with him to these local real estate um, you know, meetings that they had every month. So I, I was hanging around these people. I was learning the language. You know, Every industry, I'm sure as you can relate to in medical sales, we all have our own um, industry terms and, and language that we got to get used to. So I learned that stuff when I was in high school before I graduated. And after I was at Best Buy, I was like, okay, this isn't for me. I already know all this stuff about real estate. I know the terminology and I was I kind of was getting the hang of it. Why not I just go out and get my real estate license and, you know, sell houses and, and do that, you know, and then whenever I'm ready, I could maybe start investing in real estate and start building that up later on down the road. So that's the road I went, man. So after high school, you know, I, I had a few months where I was kind of just, you know, laying around, not doing much, but then I, I went to school and I got my real estate license. And that was back in 2010 when I got my license. I graduated high school in 2009, got my license in 2010, and that's all I've been doing ever since, man. So it's been nine. It's been nine years since uh, since I got licensed. So it's been crazy. What a story! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting story. Wow. So the teacher told the student, "Hey, man, you should go get your real estate license," and you mm-hmm. were just. Like happened to be, I was so, you just happened to yeah. be sitting next to that kid who was just rarely yeah. in class, and then you just yep. sparked that itch, like, hey, this is something I kind of want to get into. What's this all about? And then you exactly. took the action to go to these meetings in high school. They had that at your high school? No, this was actually it was a, this was a local real estate investor oh, group okay, for, okay. for adults. So it was all people in their fifties and sixties at these meetings. So I look like my teacher's kid or son just happened to be sitting next to him at these meetings and. 
I ended up joining the this local investor club because basically what it is, it was like a coaching thing where they'll they'll teach you how to invest in real estate. They had courses and they had seminars that you would go to. And I couldn't even join because I wasn't I wasn't an adult yet. I was still 17. So I actually had to convince my parents to join this group and join under their family plan. That way I could actually go to these actual meetings. Um, but that's how that that's how I got introduced into real estate. And it was all by chance. So it was interesting. Um, but but nonetheless, um, you know, nine years later, I'm, I'm still still doing it, still doing real estate. So. So it's been a it's been a crazy journey for sure, to say the least. <laughs> hey, well, everybody needs a roof over their head, so you're doing you're doing great work. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. That's that's yeah. a, that's really interesting. So you skipped college? Yeah, I didn't go to college at all, and I actually had I'd known from the beginning that I wasn't going to go to college. Um, you know, once I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, I didn't even take my SATs, my ACTs, or Whatever the whatever the hell you call it, I was about to say a, a cuss. I don't know, like a cuss on your podcast. You can cuss on uh, my podcast. Do your thing. All right, good, good. Be yourself, so, man. Um, <laughs> so I knew I knew for sure I wasn't going to be going to college. So I didn't I didn't even bother taking the tests. You know, those days where uh, people were taking their tests for the SATs or whatever. Um, you know, I was out you know learning real estate and listening to real estate podcasts. And and back then podcasts weren't even really a thing back then. Um, they just uh, this club. They would just upload their um, their shows because they actually had a local. Um, they're part of a local radio station here in Houston, so they would, you know, broadcast their their show, you know, to people's radios basically, and they recorded the show and they just saved the shows on their website. So it was before iTunes, before all of that stuff was was ever even out. Um, but it was essentially a podcast. You know, they would record their shows and put it up on the internet for people to listen to. Um, and, uh, it was, it was cool. So it was my, my introduction to podcast before podcasting was, was ever a thing, I guess, but it was, it was really cool. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I want to ask you, because I've been a part of multiple conversations where, Hey, I'm going to work this job. I'm going to save all this yeah. money. And then I'm going to go into real estate as if it's an, an easy out to make a quick buck. And I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's, Easier said than done, obviously, and you can attest to that. Yes. I would love for you to share, you know, obviously you shared you got your real estate license and then you got into real estate, but what were the tangible steps that you took to, you know, sell your first property? Yeah, so uh, it was a nightmare getting into real estate. I mean, you know, some, I feel like some days it still is, um, but real estate, it's, it's an interesting business, but the way I got my first deal or my first property, it actually took me six months before I ever got my first deal. So um, you can imagine working a job. You know, I was showing up at the office every day and stuff like that, and um, you know, trying to make ends meet basically. But imagine not having a paycheck, not making a single penny for six months, and that's where I was at. And on top of 100% that, one hundred percent commission. Yeah, I was on one hundred percent commission, and uh, as as most real estate agents are. I mean, most I would say ninety five percent are. Um, there's there's a few different models that actually employ agents. It's not that common, but um, if you look at a real estate agent today, if you have a friend or a family member or somebody you know, uh, it's ninety-five percent sure that they're one hundred percent commission-based. So they don't, you know, they don't. There's no, there's no guaranteed, you know, monthly paycheck or bi-weekly paycheck for us. It's it's all commission-based. Um, and it took me six months to get my first deal, and my my first deal was a small twenty-three thousand dollar house in the in the hood in the ghetto, and the commission that I made on that deal was around six hundred dollars. So you can imagine working six months and then getting your first deal and then getting a check for six hundred dollars. I was devastated. Okay, and you're <laughs> yeah. you're selling real estate in the great state of Texas, but more importantly yeah. in Houston, mm -hmm. Texas, right? And that's where we met. And what is the Houston real estate market looking like these days, especially after the hurricane? I'm sure there's some pretty high yeah. volatility of of the housing market there, especially because there there's a chance of flooding. You never know. Yeah, I mean Houston. I mean, there's Harvey a Part of Two may occur again. Who knows? Uh, man, that would be a nightmare. Well, Harvey was a freak storm. I mean, they say that was an 800 year hurricane. So hopefully that doesn't ever happen again in our lifetime. Um, but I mean, it seems like these uh, you know once in a lifetime hurricanes are starting to happen every year now. Is what it seems like. Um, so who knows? But um, yes, Houston is very prone to flooding. Um, even if you're not in an area that's considered a flood zone and you're from Houston and you're listening to this, um, I always recommend getting flood insurance because if you're not in a flood zone, it's cheap anyways. 
Um, but uh, you just never know. You, you never know. Um, there was a lot of areas in Houston, uh, a bunch of neighborhoods that got flooded that had never flooded before um, that didn't have, you know, a lot of people didn't have flood insurance because they weren't in a flood zone and, and they lost their house. You know, a lot of people lost their houses. They lost all their belongings um, and it, people just weren't prepared. So it's uh, it, it definitely affected the real estate uh, economy in Houston. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's still some recovery coming from that still. Um, but we, I mean, Houston, uh, we bounced back, man. After that hurricane, you know, if, if you came back to Houston a month later, you know, we, it was bus- you know, back to business, you know, here in Houston. We were hustling and bustling. H-Town strong. Uh, yeah, H-Town strong, man. <laughs> H-Town strong. So uh, it was crazy. Harvey was not easy dealing, you know, going through that. Oh, no. Uh, it, was, it was atrocious. It was literally the yeah. saddest thing in the world. People lost their homes. Their, like, most valuable, yeah. precious items were just gone in in a night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it was horrible. A lot of people, a lot of people that I personally know, you know, friends, family, you know, past clients, you know, a lot of their houses got got flooded and people lost their homes. They were misplaced and, and it was it was a bad situation for a lot of people. Um, fortunately for me, I I didn't uh, I didn't get flooded in my place. My car I, I my car almost got flooded, but I had moved it just in time um, from where it was parked at. And if I hadn't moved my car, I had estimated maybe you know fifteen minutes um, after I did, my car would have flooded. Like it was literally within minutes of flooding. No way. Yeah, it was it was insane. I it literally was, I literally saw full cars underwater. Oh yeah, fully submerged, fully submerged. It was I mean, wild. All you will see is the roof of the car, and that's it. If that, you know, if that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was insane. I lived next to a bayou, which is just one big wash that collected all of the rainwater, and obviously that was a big culprit for some of the floods in my neighborhood. And right. I looked outside of my window, and it was literally like a current like as if it was in the ocean of just water all flowing in one direction and it was literally like the scariest thing in the world it was oh man it was terrible yeah interesting man i want to ask you a question about the first six months when you were in real estate because i think there's a lot of mental triumph and perseverance that probably went into those six months without getting a paycheck and then once you finally sold the home Six hundred dollars comes your way, in a in a, <laughs> yeah. in a full six months worth of work. Yeah, what was that experience like, and how did you push through it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard. It was really tough. Um, you know, lucky for me, for my situation, you know, I didn't have rent or anything like that. I was staying with my parents, and that helped with the expenses. You know, um, you know, if I had if I had rent to pay, I mean, there's no way I would still be in real estate today. Like I, that first six months, I would have I wouldn't have probably made it past you know month two or three. Um, so that, that definitely helped me out a lot. Um, they, they always say, you know, if you get into real estate, always have at least at the very minimum, you know, six months to a year, uh, worth of expenses, um, saved up that you go to afford. So that way, you know, you have that, that learning curve of learning the business and getting your first deal. You know, if that takes you some time, you still have money, you know, set aside to pay for your bills basically. Um, but it was, it was hard, man. It was really, really tough. Um, you know, Getting that first deal was really exciting, but at the same time, getting that check was 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 devastating. You know, I wasn't happy about it. I was happy that I closed the deal. Don't get me wrong, but um, it was it was tough, man. It was extremely tough, and um, it wasn't easy getting my first deal either. Um, you know, I was there at the real estate office every day, and you know, people looked at me like I was someone's kid because I was young. You know, I was I was 19 years old. You know, I, I wasn't even old enough to drink a beer yet. You know, or have alcohol. So I looked like a kid um, back then, and uh, it was it was tough. It was extremely tough. But you know, the only advice I could say, you know, when it comes to real estate or getting started, is having that six six twelve months of expenses saved up and put away to get started. And secondly, you just got to keep pushing. You you can't give up. Um, but you know, real estate is not it's not an easy business as as any business isn't. But it's it's tough, and we have a an extremely high failure rate, rate where ninety percent of, of new coming agents that come into the market that get their license and get into business ninety percent fail within their first year, and they you know end up going back into corporate America or whatever it might be. So it's it's a high high turnover business to to be into. So um, you got to have thick thick skin, um, and a lot of patience, and a lot of desire to to stick with it. So. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what made you not want to just go back to the corporate Best Buy world? <laughs> uh, I, I knew that I didn't want to, to get back into that. I knew that um, corporate America just wasn't for me. 
um, I knew that uh, I didn't I didn't want to have that that structure where I had you know someone telling me what to do, how to do it, what time to be there, what time I couldn't be there. You know, uh, I just I I didn't like it. You know, and after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, that really spoiled me. Like that really like screwed me up in a, in a good way where I didn't I just didn't want to do that ever. Um, so that's what really what what kind of kept me in it was knowing that you know there's only one one other alternative than not making real estate happen, and that's going back into getting a you know a, a normal nine to five, and that's just something I wasn't wanting to do, and and you know something I still don't want to do. Burn the bridges. But that's what you did. I burned the bridges, as Tony Robbins said. I, I burned <laughs> the bridges. Didn't didn't look back. So <laughs> interesting, interesting. What is yeah. the day to day for someone in your shoes selling real estate? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So day to day operations as as an agent, uh, basically revolves around you know a lot of prospecting, uh, making phone calls, doing emails, um, lots of follow ups. Um, usually during the mornings and afternoons, and then uh, the evenings. So I try to keep my e- my evenings open for either appointments or making more you know phone calls or prospecting and things of that nature. So uh, mornings and after, or I'm sorry, mornings and and afternoons are purely based. For the most part, I try to stick to this unless a client really wants to go and you know meet me or go look at a house that's uh, you know they want to go see right away. Then of course I'll, I'll accommodate that. Um, but for the most part, you know the beginning of our day um, for most agents is is just pure prospecting and pure follow up on all of our leads and uh, doing that. And then once we have an appointment set, you know we go to our appointments. You know usually in the afternoon and most people work you know have jobs so they don't get get out of work till in the into the evenings anyways or, or late afternoon. So that works out, um, but that's that's really it, man. Uh, prospecting, um, you know, networking, going to networking events whenever you can, um, shaking hands, kissing babies, kind of thing. And uh, that's uh, that's basically you know the job of a realtor for the most part is prospecting and appointments. <laughs> so I know what that life is like. Yeah, prospecting life, hitting the phones, right. smiling and dialing all day, every day. Yeah, three yeah. three to four hundred phone calls. Oh, yeah. Through. It's it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's rejection after rejection after rejection until you get that one, you know, that's that's that wants to meet you or, or you know that wants to see your sales presentation, and that's all it takes, you know. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't do anything other anything other else than than this. Yeah. So. Well, I'm great to hear. I'm grateful to hear that. This is this is why yeah. you're on the show is because you're you're clearly passionate about succeeding in real estate. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to hear Absolutely. that. I would love yeah. to hear maybe some of your you know true darkest failures as a real estate agent. And obviously, aside from the one that you shared previously when you were just starting out in the first six months, but do you have any significant stories that lead to deep learning lessons that that may have been from a failure while you're trying to pursue real estate or in the pursuit of real estate? Yeah, for sure. I mean. Um... I guess the biggest failure that I could think of it doesn't come up it doesn't come down to a certain transaction or anything that I could think of on top of my head but um, I would say the biggest failure something I struggled with for a long time is uh, consistency and 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 always prospecting you know sometimes as real estate agents you'll get super busy let's say you're working with multiple clients at a time and you just you just you, you just don't prospect you know you're you're putting all your time towards um, uh, or you're giving yourself the excuse of, "Hey, I'm 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 juggling all these clients, you know, I'm showing all these houses, I'm I'm going to all these appointments, um, I don't have any time to, you know, to make some calls or to follow up on some people or you know keep in touch with my database." Um, and that's something I really struggled with. It, it was keeping that, you know, keeping that consistency, consistency going and just really keeping in front of my database. Um, you know, I'm really trying to hit social media hard now. Uh, I haven't, you know, it's probably one of the things I, I didn't, you know, do consistently for a long time is, is trying to keep up with my social media stuff. Um, Instagram for me is, is pretty big. I, I like Instagram. Um, not a not too big of a fan of Facebook too much, just because I just like the Instagram platform more. Um, you know, photos and videos go really well with houses, so um, that's the platform I'm kind of sticking to more for marketing purposes. Um, but that's definitely my my biggest probably failure is just not being consistent enough, not, you know, continuing to prospect every day um, and, and just keeping in touch with my database. Um, I would hate to see every time I was on Instagram or Facebook um, and I have a friend of mine that I went, you know, I would see friends of mine that I went to high school with or um, people that I knew and I see them, you know, holding a, a closing sign or just sold sign with their keys in front of them. 
and it's another agent in the photo and it's not me. And it's purely my fault for not, you know, being in touch with them and, and keeping that contact and, and ha having that relationship built, you know, over time. So my biggest failure um, that, you know, that I, that I learned from and I continue to learn from every day is, is always staying in front of your database, always staying in front of your, the people you know, building those relationships and, and follow up, follow up, follow up. I love it. So. I love it. Making sure that all the little things are done properly. And that's really just good advice for anyone, especially yep. in real estate, but for anyone in sales in general. For those yeah. who may be interested in buying a house, let's switch the table a little bit. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice can you give to a yeah. first-time buy a homeowner? Yeah, a homeowner. What can you say mm -hmm. to those people? Yeah, so, um, so for, for first-time homebuyers, um, you know, there's there's actually a lot of programs out there. Uh, I'm not too sure how it is out there in Colorado, but here California. in Texas, we have tons of first-time home buyer <laughs> <laughs> okay, no worries no worries <laughs> Wrong actually let me let me pause Wrong you right state. there i want to i want to rephrase that question yeah anyone who's looking to buy a home yeah. to make it their home but what if they were to buy a home sure. to make it as an investment and then you know um get some tenants under that mm -hmm. and then and then be a an, an investor after that and, and just continue to to build a real estate portfolio as just a stream of income Okay, sure. So, so you're saying for someone who's trying to buy a house and then turn that into an investment property, correct? Basically, correct. what you're saying. Okay. Um, so yeah, so so a new investor, a new investor. Um, so one of the things that you could do as a brand new investor is take advantage of you know um, FHA loans. You could do an FHA loan. An FHA loan is basically it's a government subsidized loan. Um, the paperwork and everything is all the same as a, as a regular normal conventional loan. It, it doesn't change anything. Uh, if you get a really low interest rate and you have a low down payment, in most cases, it's only three and a half percent of the sales price. Um, the only requirement is they want you to live into they want you to live in the home. Um, but you know, you could always say a month later, "Hey, you know, I, I had something come up. You know, I need to rent the house out." They're not going to know. They're not really going to going to care to be honest. So, so if you haven't bought a property before or, or a home before and you want to get into investing and you want to do it with little money. Um, you know, an FHA loan is, is, uh, is a good way to kind of get into it, you know, without a whole lot of expense. Um, now, the banks don't want you to hear that or to know that, um, but that's, uh, that's one way to get into it with little money. Um, you could also do just a, a regular, normal, conventional loan, which, you know, um, those are about 5% down if you're going to be living in the property. Um, but if it's an investment property um, and, and you plan on and, and investing and, and renting it out, for the most part, most, most mortgage companies and banks are wanting at least 20% down. Uh, for an investment property, um, but as I said, if, if you if you buy the property as if you're going to live in there, and maybe you do live in there, maybe you live in there for a few weeks or a few months, whatever, and you just decide to start renting it out, then again, you know, you you, you could take advantage of that low down payment, and you could get in, you know, into buying a house very inexpensively. Um, so that's one way. Um, you know, Airbnb is really big right now. I've had a few clients that that buy properties, and instead of renting it out traditionally, you know, you'll have a a 12 month lease and and have one tenant i have a, a client of mine that he he buys air uh, properties for airbnb exclusively and he's making a killing you know he's he's doing really well with that um he's making more money renting it out as an airbnb than he would actually having a normal tenant that's in there for 12 months or six that's months crazy. whatever it might be so that's another thing yeah that, that's an, i haven't looked you know honestly i haven't looked into airbnb a whole lot um, but I know it's, it's something a lot of people are making money on and it's, it's, it's a really good viable business. Um, you know, it, it requires a lot of, there's a lot of systems in there. You know, you got to clean the property every time, you know, somebody moves out, you know, so you, you got to have some kind of system, either you do it or you hire someone to go in there and, and kind of do like some maid service. Um, but, um, that's a really interesting model that I, I personally want to look into later on in the future as maybe possibly having some Airbnb properties. Because um, they're they're cash cows, especially if they're in a good location, they're they're cash cows, man. You market them right, they're 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 their yeah. income. Well, if you, you think know. about it, it's so. changing the way people travel. I mean, for example, I'm going to the yeah. U.S. Open next year in Monterey, and instead of a hotel, which right. is in the first place impossible to get because they booked out or sold them to corporate accounts. And I, I pride myself. Right. I'm, I'm a huge Hilton guy. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm loyal. Like, right. you're going to give me a room. I spend probably two to three nights a week in a Hilton hotel. You should give me the room. Right. You know, we don't even need to negotiate about it. Right. And essentially, I right. called them up. Right. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Monterey next year. I want to get a Hilton hotel. Can we make this happen? All booked. Or just 
astronomically priced, like crazy expensive for the weekend. And obviously there's right. high demand. It's the U.S. Open. Right. But we got an Airbnb instead. And think about how much people who just live in that general area are going to make off one weekend who get to increase their prices mm, purely yeah. because it's such a big event. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client, uh, well, that same client that he, uh, he his Airbnb has, happens to be really, really close to the uh, NRG stadium, which is where the, uh, the Houston Texans play. And, uh, he had that Airbnb during the Super Bowl, So he made a killing during the Super Bowl. That super the, during the Super Bowl that, that week, he, he told me he made $4,000 on Airbnb in one week. Fun fact. I, I like, moved wow, to Houston that's, that weekend. I could have done the same thing, oh, really? but I was like just okay. getting my stuff together. That would have been an amazing, an yeah. amazing opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a, I was able to see day, NRG from week. my balcony. I was literally that close. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you could have threw that thing up on Airbnb and probably made a few thousand easily. dollars that that week. easily. You know, easily. And that was that was yeah. quite the weekend to move yeah. to Houston as well. Yeah, uh, I would. I would bet. Was yeah. Popping. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> the amount of people we had, the amount of people we had in Houston, you know, it was it was crazy. It felt oh, like yeah. it was like LA it was, or something. It was wild. So it was wild. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, I I wanna, yeah. I wanna segue into maybe some of the other topics that we are interested in diving into, if you don't mind. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Health and diet is big in the routine. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. and? share what about having a healthy lifestyle is important to you and and keeping a strict diet and all yeah yeah definitely man so um recently um within the past few months i I read this uh, really good book that i highly recommend everyone checking out and it's called uh how not to die uh by dr michael greger and it's a an extremely fascinating book uh this is a a transformative book i would say almost as much as rich dad poor dad did to me when it came to business um and, and the How Not to Die book, Dr. Greger basically talks about a plant-based diet and, and how that could literally reverse, you know, most chronic diseases, um, you know, all the big ones, you know, um, heart disease being probably the biggest one. Um, and here in America, you know, heart disease is the number one killer. Uh, one in two people, you know, die from heart disease. It's it's giant. Or one in two or one in three. Some, either way, very high statistic. Slightly butchered. But it, Either way, I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a really high statistic. You know, over a lifetime of a person, you know, it's a one in two or one in three chance of you dying of heart disease. Um, and with the plant based diet, I mean, there's 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 tons of research into this, and people think you know going you know vegan or whatever plant based has been kind of a, like a new fad, um, but it's uh, it's been around for a long time. There's been a lot of uh, medical research in, in the medical journals, you know, dating back to the early 1900s on plant based diets. Um, and that book really opened my mind to eating more healthier. Now, I have to say that I don't eat healthy all the time. I still consume meat um, regularly on a, on a daily basis almost. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm really working on as a personal goal for mine for, you know, for 2019 coming up is to be completely 100% plant-based is, is one thing I'm trying to shoot for. Um, I did go all plant-based um, for five weeks at one point, and I, I was surprised that I even lasted that long. Uh, and to my surprise, it really wasn't as hard as I thought it would, as it would be. Um, the reason I broke the diet <laughs> was, uh, I, I had gone out of town and there was nothing for me to eat. I was with a bunch of friends and we all went out and, and started eating junk food and stuff like that. And it opened the floodgates for me. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's really, it's really informative. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, 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 it's very tough wrapping your mind, um, you know, eating that way and, and sticking to it. Um, but I see the health benefits, you know, I've done a lot of research on it myself and seen a lot of people online who've, who've literally re- re- uh, completely reversed their heart disease, um, reverse their, um, high blood pressure where they're no longer on high blood pressure pills they no longer take cholesterol pills. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating. I, I, I highly recommend everyone listening to that book. Um, cause it, it could definitely probably save your Can life. Can you or pull any few takeaways specifically from the book that really caused you to live a plant-based diet? Because personally, and this is pretty ignorant of me. I, I kind of judge people who are like, "Oh, I'm yeah. a vegan." <laughs> they kind of uh, ruin yeah, the yeah, vibe yeah, when we're out yeah. to dinner. They're like, "Oh, let me get a salad because I don't eat meat." And then they go into this whole, f- whole thing about like, "Hey, I don't eat meat. You shouldn't either." And right. kind of judge me for eating meat. And what about right, that right. book really made an influence on you, or an impact? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean first off, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, biased because I still eat meat. Um, I haven't completely switched over anything yet. Um, but um, it's, I don't know, man. I think what really changed my, my, my mind about it, and the biggest takeaways is he goes into specific details of all the diseases that are, you know, basically caused by consuming meat and meat protein. Um, that was a real eye opener. You know, I, I thought maybe, you know, by me, maybe just eating uh, fish or poultry or chicken, chicken breast, you know, uh, you know, you want to go to the gym and, you know, put on some size and all that good stuff. You know, you, what do you do? You know, what do you eat? You eat tuna and chicken breast. So I was like, okay, so that has to be healthy. Right. And no, it's actually one of the worst. Uh, it's actually probably worse than red meat, uh, fish and poultry, believe it or not. And that goes into detail in the book as well. Um, but there's, there's, uh, that book I would recommend. Um, and I would also recommend, uh, if you want to look at some documentaries, if you're not that into reading, uh, watch, uh, what the health oh, man. on Netflix. I've seen that documentary and immediately after watching it, yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? Is this true? No yeah. way. Cause you're telling somebody to yeah. give up meat. Yeah. You need to have a really strong argument. And obviously, yeah. yes, there must be science behind some of the harm, harmful effects that meat can cause. Yeah. But I think it's all balance. Like, you could eat meat, you could eat chicken, you could eat steak, you could eat fish, but include your veggies. Yeah. Eat a salad. Mix it up, you know. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, on top of that, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, just lifestyle. I mean, if you're going to eat meat, is it fried? Yeah. Is it grilled? If it's grilled, is it cooked with, you know, butter and high unhealthy fats? What's going into it? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I mean, hands down, if you're going to eat meat, of course, the best kind of meat you could eat is, you know, organic farm raised, you know, meat, um, you know, meat from, you know, uh, grocery stores that are, you know, or, you know, traditionally conventionally raised, you know, that's tons of fat, tons of, uh, chemicals that they put into them. Um, it's not, you know, it's not healthy. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I guess, you know, it, it does come all down to balance, you know, all that good stuff as well. Um, I guess, I guess I'm a little more extreme where it's like, if I'm going to go all in, I'm going to go all in for sure. But yeah. So it is, again, it's not easy. Um, especially here in Houston, you know, it's not like California where there's like a (laughs) vegan or plant-based store, whole food store. Barbecue capital of the world. It's it's a lot harder. Yeah. You go down the street and there's barbecue everywhere. It's (laughs) it's tough. (laughs) So, um, but there's a lot of cool alternatives. You know, there's a, there's a burger that's really good and it actually tastes pretty close to meat you know it's not exactly as meat but it's the texture is there the look and feel is there and it's called um if you go to whole foods it's at every whole foods in the country uh, but the burgers if you look for it it's called um beyond meat is the name of the company and if you look for the beyond meat brand and try it i mean i mean just try that alone you know try a beyond meat patty cook it grill it and you won't believe that you're eating plants it's made from plants on a burger it's a hundred percent science plant-based. behind that and how that's manufactured. No idea. <laughs> no idea. But if you flip over the back, I mean, they have the ingredients and all that stuff on there. Um, and I'm sure there's some videos online that explain it. Um, but it's a hundred percent plant-based hundred, you know, vegan stamp of approval, all that crap. Um, so it's, it's interesting, but it, it, it tastes really good, man. And, and there's, I've even had like vegan veggie hot dogs that, that are pretty close to actually tasting like normal hot dogs. Um, so there's there's a lot of alternatives out there for you to kind of you know get your feet wet and not really dive so deep into you know plant based diets and you know just thinking you're only going to be eating salad for the rest of your life. Um, there's there's ways to kind of get into it without switching up your eating habits so much where it's such a big you know difference in in your eating habits. So that is interesting. It's interesting. How did how did you get yeah how how did a, a passion for a healthy lifestyle stir up for you? What what got you into this? Yeah. So, I mean, I have, uh, there's a lot of disease in my family. Uh, my father was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease back in 2009 and seeing him going from a normal guy, you know, uh, completely independent to someone who's, you know, depending on others to support him and take care of him. Um, you know, he needs, he my, my father basically needs 24 hour care all the time. So it's, and, and it gets worse and worse just about every year. So seeing his health decline, Um, seeing my family, I've had relatives, of course, just as anybody, you know, cancer and heart disease and all that stuff. And it's nowadays, it's so much more prominent than when it was, you know, just a few years ago, like when our parents were alive and when our grandparents were alive, 
you know, cancer rates are shooting through the roof right now. Heart disease is shooting through the roof right now. There's a correlation in that. Um, and if you look at, you know, processed meats and you look at, you know, the production of meats and, and fast food and all this junk stuff and all this you know, high fructose corn syrup, and all this crap they're putting into food nowadays, it, you look at it on a graph and it directly correlates with the increase in, in, in diseases that we're getting. So we're sick. Americans are, are we have a very sick, you know, eating uh, health diet. The American standard diet is, is, is making people sick. And just seeing it firsthand has really, uh, I guess, changed my perspective. And I still struggle with it. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a full, you know, 100% plant-based guy. Um, so I'm transitioning, but you know, I, I'm I'm looking at the the research. I'm I'm studying it, and it's you know, it's 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 extremely eye-opening to me um, how much your diet you know affects your health. And it makes sense, of course. You know, change your eating habits and and all that stuff is going to affect the way you feel and the way you look. But also internally, that's why there's bodybuilders, you know, nowadays that um, are, are jacked in amazing shape. Um, and there's some, you know, there's a few, you know, ones that are really famous on, on YouTube that have dropped dead, you know, from heart disease. You guys shredded six pack abs, you know, muscles. I mean, the guys, you know, whatever, a million followers on Instagram, stuff like that. Um, I can't think of the guy's name on top of my head right now. But dies of heart disease in his 20s. And they go into this in the book as well, in the How Not to Die uh, book as well. There was um, back in uh, in the '60s, back in Vietnam, um, there were soldiers who were dying back then, and they were uh, doing medical studies on these dead soldiers. And these soldiers, of course, died from gunshot wounds and battle wounds. And they were looking into their arteries, and their arteries were were starting to get clogged. And research found that people as early as their 20s and their teenagers already show signs of heart disease beginning in our 20s. It's not until we're older in our 40s and 50s and 60s until we actually feel those symptoms. And that's when, you know, the heart attacks and strokes and all that kind of stuff becomes more prominent as we get older. But heart disease starts when we're young, when we're kids, when we're teenagers. Um, and, and the evidence shows to that and that research and that study that was done back in the 60s, you know, showing heart disease in 20-year-old, you know, dead soldiers that were killed from, from the battlefield um, show that that already that's already in our bodies today. And the only real way to kind of reverse that and to reverse all that that clogged arteries is really by eating a plant-based diet. Um, so, so that goes into the book, uh, and, and all that stuff is in the book. All that stuff is in, in documentaries. You can look at a ton of documentaries on Netflix. You know, there's, uh, you know, be have an open eye to it. You know, I don't agree with all of them, with everything they say on, on some of this stuff, but for the most part, it makes sense. It makes complete sense when you when you connect all the dots. Um, why, why American has a declining healthcare system, why people are getting sicker, and why you know the pharmaceutical companies and the uh, big meat industry companies and all stuff are killing it. You know, they're making a profit, uh, and they're turning around a lot of well, dead people with it. Yeah, because so. in healthcare, it's a reactive system. <laughs> you get sick, you get treated. Yeah. But what if you were to prevent yourself from yeah. getting sick in the first place? So exactly. Yeah, health. The way the healthcare system is set right now, it's 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 all about treating the symptoms, not treating the actual, uh, you know, causing what's causing the actual illness itself. Um, it's 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 crazy uh, the way you know the way the healthcare system is set up. You know um, how doctors get paid. You know doctors get paid by you know the amount of prescriptions that they send out per day. They get paid by the number of patients that they see per day. It's 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 a uh, it's quantity over quality in healthcare. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I sadly agree yeah. with you. I mean, it's it's a broken system for sure. Yeah. And it's really interesting. And yeah. I, I think you, you've inspired me to take a deeper look into the diet. I definitely eat meat. I pride yeah. myself on eating meat because it's <laughs> delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking good. Don't get me wrong. I had a filet mignon last night. Yeah. So <laughs> here I am talking about a plant-based diet. Nothing so it's, wrong with it's a little hard, mouth man. pleasure. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's uh it's tough but i mean um it, it's good to be conscious about it don't you know eat meat knowing the consequences knowing what you're what you're putting into your body don't be completely uh ignorant of what you're what you're putting into your body at least educate yourself at the very least and maybe over time you know like me you know slowly dive into trying to eat a little bit more of a healthier lifestyle you know try to incorporate more plant-based stuff into your diet um you know don't you don't have to make a drastic change tomorrow you know um, i'm certainly i'm not doing it that way um, but over time, man, um, you know, and if you're not doing it for yourself, you know, do it for your family, do it for your future kids. 
Um, so that's the way I see it. I, I put all the selfishness aside and I put, you know, my family and, and people I love first ahead of myself. Um, and I want to see my kids grow up. I want to be there to provide for them and financially support them. So that's really what inspires me is not to be in the same exact shoes as my dad is in basically. So that's, wow. that's what it comes well, that's, down to. And that's very, very important. And, and thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. Honestly, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Appreciate it. I, I want to touch on the topic of balding. I had a ge- I had a guest by the name <laughs> of Adam Tank, and yeah. he also shaved his head. And he talked about the insecurities a lot of men okay. go when they start to lose their hair. Can you share your experience with losing yeah. your hair and uh, yeah, what led you to shave your head? Because it's definitely a bold act, and I am very curious selfishly <laughs> because i find myself losing yeah. hair as well here and there <laughs> yeah so um so you know i could grow my hair out i i you know i i, I just choose to to shave it off um i so i noticed I've, my entire life i've always had thin hair my entire life I've, I've never had like a thick hair um and i noticed recently probably within the past five years or so i started noticing my hair thinning a little bit more uh, particularly around my hairline, around my forehead, and just above my forehead as well. So I noticed that thinning, and it was starting to really get to me. It was starting to bug me. Um, n- not too many people noticed it, but I noticed it. Every day I looked in the mirror, um, especially whenever I, I, I got in the shower, my hair's wet. When your hair's wet, I mean, you see everything. I mean, your hair's just, especially when it's thin. I mean, like, you, you look, you know, you, ha- you can see right to your, sc- your to, to, or at least I could. I could see right to my scalp. And that was getting to me, man. You know, when I would go out to, uh, you know, to, to the pool or whatever, and I knew that, you know, people could like just see right into my scope, right through my hair. Like it was, it was, it was kind of self con I was really self-conscious about it. Um, and I started following a few guys on YouTube and, uh, probably one of the biggest guys on YouTube that I started watching. I mean, he's still fairly small. He's not really known. You, you don't have like a whole ton of subscribers, maybe like five or 10,000 subscribers, but this guy named, uh, Max De Silva on YouTube, and this is ball guy. He's like 25 years old, and he started shaving his head because uh, he was thinning hair, his hair out. And his philosophy behind it was, man, you know, fuck it. Like if you're gonna, if if you're if your hair loss, if you're losing your hair, um, go all out, man. Like it, like embrace it. Embrace the the fact that you're you know that you're losing your hair. And that's exactly what I did. I just embraced the fact that my hair was thinning. I knew it wasn't gonna get any better. So I was like, one day I just decided. Uh, to, to to buzz my head, and I, I've never had short hair. I've never buzzed my head my entire life. I've always had my hair, you know, styled and stuff like that. So for me to, and it, it took me a whole year. It took me a whole year to finally do it. And and once I did it, it was pretty liberating. And I I, I tried doing different lengths while my buzz. I started off with like a three, a two, and the one. And I was like, a few months into, it, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna completely shave it off with an actual razor. And I've never looked back since. I love it. Um, I embrace it. It's who I am now. And it's, uh, I actually feel way more confident in myself that, than I did when I actually had thin hair or put, that people could actually see. Um, and I, and I look at all the guys out there nowadays that, you know, have bald heads <laughs> that, that I inspire to be like, like the rock, you know, the, the most, uh, influential guy out there. Um, and other people, you know, um, that have bald heads, I uh, can't even name some of the top of my head, you know, Dana White, some other, you know, some, some very John. big influential people. Bald. Um, they all have bald heads, you know, they embrace. Yeah, Damon John, Damon John is bald as well. Uh, Jason Statham, whatever the actor's name is. I mean, there's, there's tons. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Uh, but the point is, um, embrace it. That's all I can say is embrace it. If, if you feel self-conscious about it, um, I would say buzz your hair off. And just give it a shot and see how it looks like. The worst thing that could happen is you don't like it and you can just grow your hair right back. That's that's the way I approached it. I was like, listen, if I don't like how this looks, you know, the first time I buzz my head, I got a few months where I'm not going to like it. I could wear some baseball caps, whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, but I liked it. I liked the look. And I get a lot of compliments on it. And one thing that, that I did too is I paid, I paid very close attention to the way people looked at me right before I buzzed my head. And right after I, I started buzzing my head and I noticed there was no difference whatsoever. I figured people would stare at me walking in the streets or in the stores, in the malls. People were going to be looking at me like, oh, you know, this guy's bald. None of that fucking happened. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody looks at you. It's literally your own ego that's that's telling you um, to, you know, that you're not that you can't cut your, you know, you can't shave your head or whatever. Um, 
it's all ego based. It's completely ego based. And then once you once you realize that and you get over that hill, dude, it's so liberating. And and, and your confidence is just through the roof. I mean, my confidence is, is way better now than when you know I had my thin hair and it was visible and people could see it. Um, I love it. And 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 I kind of thought about this as well that if there is like some magic serum where you know I just take a pill and my hair automatically grows back again, <laughs> I would really debate still shaving my head to be honest. Uh, I really enjoy it that much. Oh, I, I hate. I, the I love not haircuts. having to pay for haircuts. Hate it. And um, it's, and not only pain but but just the time of going out somewhere and, and having a barber cut your hair and saving that time, saving that money, going to the store, um, you know, buying product. Like it saves it saves me time at the end of the day. Uh, which is more important than money. But um, to make a long story short, I wouldn't go any other way. Um, if you're experiencing hair loss and, it, and it's to the point where you're, where it's really affecting your, your self-esteem and your, self, and your confidence, just buzz it off. Give it, if you don't like it, you know, grow your hair back. It'll be back to normal in a few months and it's not that big of a deal. You know, wear some baseball caps if you're really self-conscious about it. But I um, dig that. Awesome. I found that most awesome. people like it. So. Well, when the time comes, I'll look yeah. to you to be inspired. <laughs> I, I still got a good depth of hair still in my head, so <laughs> I'm rocking it. I'm rocking it until as long as it yeah, lasts. Yeah, no, your hair looks good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. There you I go. wanted there you go. to also touch on the topic of relationships. I know that's something that you mentioned beforehand, and I'd love to love to hear what you got well, to say. Yeah. Yeah, man. So um, relationships. So I've been with my girlfriend now for for three years. Um, it's definitely it's felt longer than three years. I think once you once you find that you know special person that you really connect with, I mean, it, it feels like you've known that person forever. And if you don't have that feeling with your significant other now, then it's you know that's not the right person for you. Um, you really have to have you. You really have that person. Really has to be your best friend at the end of the day. They have to be your best friend. You got to feel like you've known each other for years. Um, you know, that's one of the best advices I, I, I could give as far as relationships um, is, uh, is, is as far as that, that being the, the, you know, the best person for you is making sure that that person is, is legitimately your best friend and that you feel like you've known this person your entire life. If you don't have that feeling, then you're in a relationship that's not going to last. Sounds like it. Randy's 100%. about to pop the question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I hope she doesn't hear this. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, we, we've talked about it. Um, we're, we're not ready for that yet. Um, we're, we're definitely a few years out from, from that happening. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm still, I'm going to be 28 in November. Um, she's 27 right now and, uh, she just turned 27. Um, so we're still, we're still getting our, you know, our career started and our life started. Um, and, uh, you know, this, it's just a phase we're not ready to both tackle on together. Um, but, uh, no, man, I mean, our relationship is, is heading down that, that road eventually, um, for sure. Um, but, uh, not popping the question anytime uh, soon. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, so. well, good for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would like to start asking yeah. you some rapid fire questions as we start to conclude the episode, if that's all right with you. Let's do it. First question off the bat, since you're a very busy man, you are deep in the real estate and big in the health, I would love to learn if you have any specific habits that you picked up recently that's made a huge impact on your day-to-day and your life in general. Um, I guess day-to-day habits um, that have really impacted me, I would say, is um, working out, You know, going to the gym. Um, it's definitely... Uh, when you, when you get that early morning workout in, it, it sets your whole day up. I mean, you, you feel better, you feel more empowered, you have more energy to, to last throughout the entire day. Um, and for, and you know, on top of that, you're, you're taking care of your health at the same time too. Um, I highly advise that while you're working out or whatever you do, jogging, um, listen to audiobooks, listen to a podcast, you know, listen to your podcast. Listen to this. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. Absolutely. I'm sure there's a few people on the treadmill right now listening to this. Um, but yeah, man, look, um, listen to some podcasts, listen to some audiobooks while you, while you're working out that way, not only are you growing yourself physically, um, uh, but you're growing yourself mentally as well at the exact same time. Killing two birds uh, with one stone. Exactly. You're killing two birds with one stone. So always be, um, always be training the mind and the body. Um, but doing that first thing in the morning, you know, I understand some people aren't able to do it in the morning. Um, uh, you know, regardless just get it in at some point you know whether it's in the in the mornings or in the evenings i personally i find evenings work better for me um but i would say that's probably one of the biggest things you know for me is is feeling good for the day feeling confident in myself 
and um, having that habit of, of consistently going into the gym. You know, there's days where I miss it. You know, I'm not perfect, um, but it's uh, definitely something that's uh, that's a game changer for me, and um, it, it trickles down into everything else. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I'm a huge advocate for, I'm a, I'm a morning workout person. I'm the guy at 4am, 5am in the gym. I just did a challenge on this podcast where my two guests ago, Adam Ali, we challenged each other to wake up at 4am on a dot and, and start our day at that hour. And Uh, I did it for a week and it was awesome. Honestly, I thought I would be like dead tired by 10am and I was just so right. much more energized. Typically, I wake up relatively early to begin with, like 4.35, 5.15, 5.30, depending on how long I'm going to snooze. But I immediately right. disregarded the snooze button, and it was like a, a day changer, like huge attitude wow. adjustment right when, right when the day starts. It was awesome. Wow. But How many hours were you getting? Yeah, well, those days, I mean, like six. I was pushing for six. Okay. I was hoping to be in bed by like 9.30, but sometimes it was 10, 10.15, and I like yeah. to get a good seven to eight hours typically, but you know, right. given that I did wake up at 4 a.m. and started my day at that hour, it was still a right. very productive day. That's awesome. No, that's really good. Yeah, but that's uh, touching uh, back on the workouts. Yeah. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Get it in. No excuses. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, it's important. It's crucial. Um, again, it trickles down into every other area of your life as well. Um, so just get a workout in and, uh, you'll, you'll think your body will thank you later oh, for sure. And your mind and your mind. Yeah. All right. Next rapid fire question. I would love for you to answer. If you have any sort of advice for your younger self, what would you say to a younger Randy Canales looking back? Yeah. Oh man. Jeez. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I screwed up a lot, you know, especially in business and real estate. Um, I guess the, the biggest advice I would, I'll give myself, um, will be, uh, getting a mentor first thing, you know, early on, I, I didn't have a mentor or a coach or anything like that when I, when I was getting started in real estate. Um, so that, that would have definitely helped, helped me, you know, learn a lot of things quicker than what I did. Probably would have got my first deal a lot faster than what I did, you know, six months. Um, but I would say, uh, advice to my younger self will be to find a mentor and find a coach to, uh, train you that, that could hold you accountable. Uh, would be a, a definitely a big one. Um, secondly, I would say um, have fun. You know, go out and you know meet as many people as you can. Um, you know, you're young. If you're you know if you're in your early twenties or you know your late teens or whatever, um, just have fun. Enjoy yourself. You know, don't feel so pressured. You know, to to build this extravagant, crazy lifestyle or life. You know, you're you're still young. You know, even if you're in your thirties, I mean, you're you're still extremely young. Um, you know, watch some Gary V stuff and he'll tell you, you know, you're, you're young as fuck (laughs) to, to, you know, don't be so worried about age as much and, um, just, just enjoy yourself, you know, really, um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, just enjoy your, your youth, you know, while you have it basically. All right. I love it. I love it. And last question, as we conclude the episode, I want to bring it back to the premise of the podcast. This is called only half the story for two reasons first reason my last name is haft you know it fits (laughs) reason number two i'm interviewing passionate people who are on the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams people who are really passionate about achieving that goal who are going to do nothing until it is achieved and nothing's going to get in their way and i think like i said earlier we listen to all these podcasts talk shows interviews and the featured guest is typically this very successful human being and they have this grand story to tell on how they achieve that success. Now I want to reverse engineer that concept and bring it back to what the tangible steps people are taking to make dreams into reality. So with that being said, I would love for you to share how you want to make your stamp on the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, um, I guess I, I want to, I want to help as much people as I can. And, uh, you know, I'm doing that right now with real estate and helping people, you know, finding their dream home or selling their home and moving on to bigger and better things. Um, so that's, you know, that's very, um, it's very fulfilling. Um, but it's, I'm only hoping so many people at a time, you know, there's only so many, there's only so many hours in a day for that equates to so many people that I can help and it's limited. Um, so, you know, in the future, I would love to help people in the masses, you know, whatever that might be, I'm not hundred percent sure whether it's, you know, advocating more for, you know, a healthier lifestyle or, you know, advocating, you know, 
owning and starting your own business. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like in another five, 10 years from now, honestly, to be, to be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I know one thing, and that is to help as much people as I possibly can. And there's a great quote, and I believe it's, I want to say it's by Zig Ziglar. And it says, if you help enough people get what you want, you can have anything that you want. And I truly believe in that. So at the end of the day, it's all about helping people. Um, you know, it's, it's going to come back to you. You know, all, all this good karma or whatever it is, positive energy. I'm not, I'm not a big spiritual person, but when it comes to stuff like that, you know, I, I believe in stuff like that where if, if you give good positive vibes, you know, to the universe, you're going to get stuff back. You know, things are going to happen. Doors are going to open for you. Um, but it's not going to happen until you get off your fucking ass and do something. So Boom. That's what I, yeah. get off your ass and do something. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Randy. Well, thank you so much for being chapter 13 of Only Half the Story awesome. podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. And these aren't possible awesome. without the guests. So I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. And there you have it, chapter 13. Put it in the bank with the one and only Randy Canales. If you are digging the show, like, subscribe, show us some love. Share this with the universe. Yeah, do it. I said so, so make sure you really do it this time. I'm begging you. I'm not just begging you. I'm like asking politely. So my name is Andrew Haft. This is Only Half the Story Podcast, and we'll see you next time.